about. Hell no. Uh-uh. That ain't gonna fly. Facts, homie. Straight facts. I just want to keep it real. It's all I know. Fake news? Uh-uh. Why would you do that? Exactly where did you get that from? Nah, can't believe it. Man, you gotta come with some papers. You got to show papers on that. This is it, man. This is the start. This is the start. Yeah, man, this is how it's gonna start. It- Yes, man, real spiel. This is how it's going to start. The show starts. Huh? Yes, man, the intro. Real spiel. Real spiel. Yes, real. Yes, yes. Real indeed, as always. How's everybody doing tonight? Or this morning? Or this afternoon? Whenever you're listening and however you're doing so. Please know, as always, you are loved and appreciated for taking time to consider my thoughts. Allow me to divulge my opinion on what's going on in the world today. And that's all Real Spiel is. It's just a podcast where I, Bryant Jones, your host, gives you his real spiel. And tonight's focus is going to be the great game of basketball. Mostly because I just finished watching NBA's All-Star Saturday Night Festivities wrap up. And I must say, the commencement was uh, long overdue. If anybody saw the dunk contest, you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Because it was lackluster, to say the least. It was not very momentous an occasion. I was expecting Aaron Gordon to walk away with the title. My boy didn't even make it out of the first round. And that really upset me when you consider he got robbed last year. I love Levine with all my heart, but everybody who watched that competition take place knows Aaron Gordon should have walked away with the gold. But that's neither here nor there. Tonight's event took off with a little bit of a bang. It was Glenn Big Dog Robinson's son. Glenn Robinson III, it was Derrick Jones Jr., a big leaper out of Phoenix, who I hadn't seen play this season, and also DeAndre Jordan. Those are the only three players I can remember. I'm pretty sure there was a fourth. Oh, yeah, Aaron Gordon, the guy who should have walked away with the crown. The main reason I'm upset with Aaron Gordon's, let's call it, short-lived appearance in tonight's All-Star festivities is... He made an easily avoidable mistake. It was an error I saw a lot of these young dudes make. Too many props. Too much involvement from the crowd. The crowd isn't there to help you win, homie. The crowd is there to enjoy the festivities. And you inviting your homeboy onto the court to toss you an alley-oop probably isn't in your best interest if you want the victory. Think about what your teammates have been doing all weekend. They ain't been working out. They ain't been practicing tossing you alley-oops. Y'all probably worked on that two times in practice two months ago, and now you want to bring him on the court and expect him to throw you a a perfect lob pass. Your teammate is lit. He is tipsy on the sideline right now. He ain't sit courtside to help you win. He sat courtside to enjoy the show. Let him do so. He going to have a hard enough time pretending to play defense on Sunday. But it wasn't a teammate that did my boy Aaron in 
Oh, no, 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 no. That would be too easy to explain. No, no. It wasn't a teammate. A, a bad pass from a point guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can justify that. No. Aaron lost because he decided to come out with a drone. That's right. Aaron Gordon used a drone as a prop in a dunk contest. Now, part of me finds it really hard ridiculing or criticizing Aaron Gordon too much about this because last year he almost won the dunk contest using props. If anybody recalls, he had a hoverboard or hover round, whatever you want to call those things that people get on and scoot around on. Anyway, he had the Orlando Magic mascot stand on the hoverboard, do a 360 with the ball in hand, at which point Aaron cupped the ball and did a Dr. J style rock the baby to sleep dunk with his hand behind his head. So I understand Aaron's inclination to involve a drone in this year's dunk competition. But come on, man, you're doing too much. Do less, bruh. Do way less. You're athletic enough and have enough clout behind your name. People wanted you to win this year. We all know the judges robbed you. We all know the judges gave it to Levine so he could two-peat because the first time he was in the dunk contest was so good, they wanted to give him two trophies, but they couldn't. So they basically said, look, no matter what you do this year, we're going to give you the second trophy. That's basically what it came down to because anybody who saw those two dunk against each other in 2016 knows Aaron Gordon was the more creative dunker, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm not a judge. I never dunked a basketball, especially not in the NBA. So I should probably shut the hell up. Another thing I recognized watching Saturday night was the NBA is flush with new young athletic bigs. A lot of guys people haven't even heard of. If you haven't been watching this NBA season, you don't know who Miles Turner is. And he didn't compete tonight, but you saw him on the sideline in his thriller jacket with the shades on indoors. So you just know he's flashy. Most avid fans are aware of Joel Embiid and what he means for the entire league, which is dominance for the 76ers, especially if Ben Simmons can come back healthy. You also had Jokic out of Denver showing why he's getting so much press and publicity now. It's hard to get eyes on Denver. They play late, they're in the mountains, and they play a really slow-paced style of basketball, mostly due to Jokic. He brings the ball up a lot. They play a lot through him in the post, and he's distributing the ball from there. So very, very impressive. And I didn't even mention the obvious phenom, Big Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, and the freak that preceded him was courtside, Anthony Davis. So the league just has way too many bigs to not have centers on the ballot. In my opinion, there are more true good centers in the league right now than there are true good two guards. Now, a lot of people will hear that and argue, well, two guards are kind of the same thing as small forwards in today's NBA because all that scoring just comes from the wing. They'd be right. However, my rebuttal to that is, but wings aren't kept out of the all-star game. They aren't kept off the ballot. Everybody can go vote on Paul George being a wing or two guard, James Harden, a wing or two guard. Now, point guard, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, nobody's keeping Klay Thompson out of the All-Star game. Nobody's telling Jimmy Butler, hey, your position is a relic. You can't be on the ballot. Because that's a ridiculous statement to make. Carl Anthony Towns is just as valuable, if not more, than any player in the NBA to his team. So he shouldn't be allowed to be on the ballot just because he's over seven foot and can dribble in the post and from the perimeter? 
That's ridiculous. We should reward these dudes for their vast skill set, not deny them entry to the All-Star game just because they're huge. These guys are far too skilled for the NBA not to showcase them during its biggest weekend. I expect this to change in due time, though, because freaks like Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic now, they allow coaches to play their entire offense through them. So it's going to get to the point where fans won't be able to ignore a big anymore on the ballot because it's going to be the most important part of the team is switching back to if you have a guy that can do the things like a cat or like a Jokic, you don't need to play through the point guard. You'd rather play through the big because they can do everything the point guard can do and you aren't as high a risk because you're not dealing with high volume shots. You got a high percentage shot from a dude in the post and he can kick it out to somebody on the perimeter who's taking a wide open shot because your big is getting double teamed. I believe that's how most of the league used to operate. And the fact is, you got giant point guards now. Giannis Antetokounmpo plays point, basically, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's 6'11 on a bad day. Ben Simmons, when he comes back healthy, he's the light-skinned Magic Johnson. He's 6'10 and every bit of 240 pounds and coming at you like a freight train. Other than fawning over all the NBA's many, many athletic bigs and young talents, I was taken aback by some of the comments from players during All-Star Weekend. Mainly one Kyrie Irving. Uncle Drew, I love Uncle Drew. He's probably my favorite point guard in the league behind Russell Westbrook. Based on his swag, his big play and big moments, and the fact that bro's younger than me, but looks older than me. On top of that, he combines suburban swag with city game. So there's a lot to love with Kyrie Irving and his Uncle Drew Pepsi commercials, which are hilarious, by the way. But homeboy said something over the weekend. I just can't get past. I've tried my damnedest to get past it. And with that in mind, we've arrived at my favorite segment of the evening, which is what did you say? Did he really just say that? Why would you say that? Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? No, no, I don't know. You said. Did you really? No. No. Ain't no way. Ah. Tonight's statements fortunately aren't incredibly egregious but they still warranted mentioning on tonight's what did you say primarily because i think everybody deserves a chance to clarify a crazy statement or sentiment they may have expressed in the past so on real spiel we give contestants an opportunity to do just that first tonight is Kyrie Irving. Interesting. I think, I think people should do their own research, man. Um, and then, uh, you know, hopefully they'll either back my belief or they'll kind of throw it in the water. Um, I think what I think is interesting for people to find out. That. You've seen pictures of the planet, though, right? Like yeah. it's a circle. So uh, I've, <laughs> seen, I've seen a lot of things that have, have uh, that, that my educational system has said that was real and turned out to be completely fake. So. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind going to Instagram in terms of my thoughts. 
you got to have respect for a man willing to go against the grain at all costs, right? I mean, logic be damned. The earth is flat, people. Listen to Kyrie. Do your own research. I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson. I just disseminate information. I don't discover it. But the main question I ask myself in listening to Kyrie Irving's thoughts on the flat earth theory is, man, how much weed does he smoke? Honestly, I mean, how often do you think he used to be laid up with Kaylani back when they dated, firing up that good dank, contemplating the wonderment of the universe we live in? For real, because Kyrie seems like the intellectual stoner, the type to get real high on you and start contemplating astronomy and astrology. Bro went to Duke, so he's out there in terms of his thinking capacity. He could have gone anywhere. But anyway, thinking about Kyrie Irving's smoking habits got me on the subject of smoking weed. And that brought me to some comments Steven Jackson made on Michael Rappaport's podcast. He specifically was talking about getting high before games. Me personally, I've done a lot of before games sometimes and still was out there to go out and be productive. I just got to be real. Right. You know, there's been a couple of games where I smoked before games and had great games. It's been some games where I smoked before the game. And was on the bench after three minutes, sitting on the sideline. Trying, Please calm down. This high has to calm down. Oh I, just shot, I just shot three shots and then went over the backboard. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, uh, I got to calm down. All NBA stoners owe it to Captain Jack to get high right now. <laughs> he was deep in the game, boy. He talked about starting smoking at the age of 12 and how it's in his DNA. It didn't even impact him that much. It just brought him down pre and post game. Captain was on that, ooh-wee, boy. Talking about shooting over the backboard? Good Lord. Next in this lineup is Chauncey Billups. And this isn't really a crazy statement he made. This is more just a little context around what Captain Jack was just talking about. I mean, I honestly play with players. I'm not going to name names. Of course I'm not. I'm <laughs> Probably not that not. kind of dude. Yeah. But I wanted them to actually smoke. They played better like that. They and they would. Like they would play. Big time anxiety. Like a lot of things that, that can be affected that it brought them down a little bit, helped them out, helped them focus in a little bit on the game plan, that I needed them to do that. I would rather them do that sometimes than drink. Spoken like a true leader. He knew what his guys needed to perform well, and he made sure they got it. And we all know he was talking about she, right? We don't got to elaborate on that any further. Everybody understands he was talking about one Rashid Wallace. I just want to make sure everybody got that point. Speaking of Rashid Wallace, that brings us to a player I sort of consider a modern incarnation of Sheed. Why is it all of a sudden a problem now when he speak out on something that he don't like and now you want to disown him from your entire organization? That's a slave mentality. You're doing it for me, it's all good. But now you're doing it against me or not necessarily against me, but you're speaking out against my organization. It's not good anymore. That's a slave mentality, slave master mentality. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack there, and I don't agree with everything Draymond said there, but the root of his argument holds weight. Nobody wants to jump on the playing in the NBA is just like slavery bandwagon, but the fact of the matter is a lot of these players feel disrespected by owners and executives. Cue Phil Jackson's comments about Carmelo Anthony in the New York media and the way he referred to LeBron James, the greatest player in your league's history, mind you. I mean, it's arguable, but at least one of the most influential figures in your league. And you call him and his crew a posse? 
there just seems to be this blatant disregard towards the athlete and what they mean to the sport of basketball. Almost like a forgotten understanding that the name on the back of the jersey means way more than the name on the front of the jersey. Michael Jordan and David Stern definitely taught us that, if nothing else. But like I said, I don't agree with all Draymond's commentary on the issue. I can just understand and empathize with how he got there. However, I think Bomani Jones does a much better job adding context to this situation than I do. What do you think that boss thinks of you? What do you think that boss thinks of you? If your job is to be big and strong and fast and then to trade on your body to then bring that money back. If you're in that situation, what kind of things would you compare this to? Draymond went with slavery. The way he sets that up might help you understand where Draymond's coming from and making those ignorant statements he did. Sometimes I get really frustrated discussing the slavery issue with white people specifically because they sometimes want to disregard the long term impact of slavery in areas other than athletics. Obviously, we all know why black people dominate sports like football, basketball, track. It's not just sheerly biology. We all understand that. But when you get into the areas of business and why the white man owns the team, and how slavery might have helped his positioning in that effort, it turns into, man, why are you bringing up old stuff? Or even worse, it'll become, man, how can you compare that to slavery? You just diminishing the impact of slavery. Slavery must not even be that important to you. I hate getting my words twisted around and manipulated like that. It's just so, so frustrating. My final thoughts on both these subjects are going to tie together, though, very nicely. I put a neat bow on this and it wasn't even planned. So I want you to consider what the slave mentality represents in the context of modern sports, because I've thought about it and I think it's all about control. Ultimately, the owner wants to control the athlete as much as possible to dictate terms to that athlete during collective bargaining or contract negotiations. That's all it's about. Now, keeping those thoughts in mind, consider which disciplinary actions or devices you would use to control the distinct population of each professional sports league. And while you're pondering, I'll take that opportunity to read the drug testing policy, specifically the marijuana testing policy of each sports league. And you tell me if there's not a hint, just a whiff of racial undertones in each policy. For NFL players, it's only once a year between mid-April and early August. NBA players, four times a year during the season. MLB players don't get tested at all. And NHL players, guess what? You ain't even have to guess. Don't get tested at all. And we all know the demographics of each sport. So ask yourself, is weed a bigger issue in basketball and football than it is in baseball and hockey? I don't think so. I don't think it's an issue in either sport. But for some reason, and I can't quite think of what that is, I just can't put my finger on it. Owners in the NFL and NBA saw fit to institute this control mechanism over their athletes specifically. Why might that be? 
Why is that? You know the damn answer. But as he so often does, Forrest Gump will conclude my thoughts on this topic. And that's all I have to say about that. Show enough. Well, that's going to do it for yours truly, folks. I hope you enjoyed Saturday night's NBA festivities. And if not, I hope you at least enjoyed my commentary on them. I look forward to Sunday as you should, too, because at some point, Russell Westbrook is going to be on the floor with three Warriors and one Trader. We all know who I'm talking about. I like KD, but when it comes to Russell Westbrook, I take sides. Enjoy Prince. This will be the day you will hear me say that I will never run away. I am here for you. Life is meant for two. Just all for you